Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Overline Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Merton, and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about NHL free agency, the Lakers winning their 17th title in franchise history, and week five of the NFL season. Diving into it with me this week, as always, is our resident hoops fanatic, Nate Kennedy. Nate, how's it going? Not too bad, bud. Finally happy to be back on the pod. Feels like it's been forever. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was looking at that, and before this week, uh, this is actually, this day, two months ago, was the last podcast we recorded. Two months? So we went on a two-month hiatus, but, you know, school and stuff, but we're back, Damn. and back stronger than ever, because we have a special guest who's already joined the podcast once before, and, you know, we had to have him back on again. Is What's going David. on, guys? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we're just going to start off this week talking about uh, some NHL free agency. So I think the first place I want to start is the newest thing that has come out in the world of hockey, which is that Taylor Hall signed a one-year deal with the uh, Buffalo Sabres for $8 million. And I just wanted your guys' opinions on the signing. And sure, you don't want to talk deal. about Jimmy VC? The, the the bigger news? No, I don't want to talk about Jimmy VC. I, no, I I think he's gonna be a minor <laughs> leaguer this year, so I don't really want to talk to about him. No one wants to talk yeah, about no. Jimmy VC. Let's be real. Even Rangers fans don't want to talk about Jimmy VC. Yeah, Taylor Hall. Uh, it was it was strange. I guess he really wasn't getting the term or the dollar value that he was expecting from free agency. Because this looks kind of like a show me deal. Yeah, I like. I think I did think he was gonna do a shorter term deal, but I also didn't expect him to go to like arguably a really bad team in Buffalo. I mean, I think it just came down to like you know obviously the pandemic having an effect on everyone's financial capabilities, and you know I guess Buffalo just could pay the most money from this. Yeah, year, and so I guess like sorry, but uh, from Buffalo's perspective, no, I think it's actually a really smart move. You know, if Taylor Hall lights it up with Eichel, you can probably ship him off at the deadline, get a couple picks, a prospect in there. So it's kind of just free money for Buffalo if, if they're really not pushing for a spot at, at that time. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. Yeah, it's well, actually we'll... Uh, it creates a great opportunity for initial investment for uh, for the Sabers to kind of get some value into their system. It, well, whether or not they choose to, as you said, export that talent during the deadline, um, but I think it's a I think it's a good signing. I mean, how well he gels will be up to the future of I guess just watching him play. But I mean, just watching Taylor Hall in the past few years, I mean, you know what you're getting. I mean, you're getting a top winger who knows how to score and knows how to create chances. I mean especially for a team like Buffalo, who's really trying to kind of identify themselves and find their role in the league and find their, I don't know, hit their mark almost. I feel like Taylor Hall is a step in the right direction if, they were, if they're really looking to build something. And I feel like he could be a good piece if he lights it up this year for a, for a long-term deal. Well, it's, it's funny that you bring that up, David, like trading him on the deadline, because I think there's two ways that they could go about this. Sorry, excuse me. Um, I think, like, looking at it, obviously, Elliot Freeman had a talk with president of uh, Buffalo Sabres, the Rugulas, and they were saying that they want to try and sign him to a long-term deal after this year. But if he has a good season, I don't see them being able to bring him back. Like, I see him trying to go to a cup contender because my first thought when I saw this deal is, wow, Taylor Hall really doesn't like the playoffs because, what has it been, only two seasons that has he made the playoffs? last year and the one year with New Jersey. So 
I mean, I don't see Buffalo making the playoffs this year, even with Hall and Eichel and Skinner. Like, I just don't see them. Because especially because if we look at the Atlantic division, like, it's getting to be one of the stronger divisions in the NHL. And even with, like, Tampa Lightning having to lose some players to free agency. And, I mean, we can get into it maybe a little bit more later. But uh, putting some of their better players on free agency, I just think it's, it's an interesting move. I mean, it's smart on the, the Sabres part. Like, they have someone to play with Eichel, you know, keep Eichel happy. And I think that's the main motivation yeah, for Yeah, I think – I, I agree with that. I think they're just trying to show that they can bring in big free agents to play with Eichel, just sort of keep him happy in Buffalo. But I, I don't see how they can re-sign this guy next year. I mean, just looking at this year, they still need to sign Victor Olofsson, Sam Reinhardt, and Linus Solmark. But next year, you got guys like Montour, McCabe, Rasmus Dahlin. Henry Yokoharju, like all those guys are coming off the books and they're going to need new deals. So you got you got money to play with, but I don't see how yeah. Taylor Hall fits into that situation. I think they're just saying that so that I like ideally I think you trade him for some picks at the deadline and then like you help because like I don't know if I want to call this. I think they're, they've been in an internal rebuild since they lost Ryan Miller and like those early 2000 Buffalo Sabre teams. They're actually making the playoffs, so I can't say that the trade would help with the rebuild because it's been going on for oh I don't know like eight years, but but yeah, it's, it'll definitely be interesting. I do you do we think that Taylor Hall is gonna perform better than he did in Arizona and Buffalo um, though? I mean, you look at it; it was a very small sample size in Arizona. I mean, he had he had very good talent around him, but he really didn't get enough time to actually show his capability. I mean. A 35-game sample size, I mean, I understand that it's almost half a season, but I feel like in order for him to really get comfortable and, like, show his true talent on that team, I feel like he just deserved a bit more time. But, I mean, if if his play with Arizona is any indication, I mean, he still was the same player that we've seen him for pretty much his entire career. I mean, I don't I don't see any drop-off with him going to the Sabres, especially if he ends up linking up with Eichel and whoever his other line mate would be. I um, I think it would actually be good for him to get a true number one center on the same line as him to kind of bounce chances off of each other and get some creativity on that line. I feel like that could be really good for Taylor Hall, especially going into uh, whether or not he gets re-signed. If he ends up playing his course through uh, Buffalo going into free agency, if he has a big year, he could be looking at a huge payday next offseason. Yeah, I don't think I – sorry, um, Eichel is on the mind right now. I don't think Hall was really given the proper shot in Arizona either, especially if you look at the mm-hmm. system that the team plays and sort of the timing of the trade. Uh, their number one center, Nick Schmaltz, was on an absolute heater in the first half of the season. Then he cooled off. Phil Kessel dropped below a point per game for the first time, and it feels like forever. But he was battling injuries this entire season. Clayton Keller has really struggled with consistency and scoring ever since his rookie year. It's not exactly a team that fills nuts with pucks. And you, yeah. while Taylor Hall is definitely an incredible player, I don't think that he's a line generator. I think he needs a guy to bounce off of. So I could definitely see him racking up a lot of points with a guy like Jack Eichel and boosting that value. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, to your point, I do feel, yeah, as I said, much to your point, I do feel like he's more of a complimentary player than an individual creator, so to speak. Um, I feel like, yeah, as you said with Eichel, I feel like the only, like it could only be benefiting for him. I mean, having, having a guy like Eichel, I mean, very, very, like, almost innuendish of 
Crosby and his other line mates, like guys like Connor Sheary and guys like Jake Gensel who get onto his line and end up putting 60, 65 points up on a board in a season. I mean, if Eichel could do anything like that for Taylor Hall, if they can really, really pack that one-two punch for Buffalo, I mean, they could both have huge seasons this year. Yeah, I mean, the the reason that Taylor Hall was no. a former MVP no, was because that year that he did drive a team was with the New Jersey Devils, who weren't really getting a lot of scoring from elsewhere. He was like, I'm pretty sure it was 40 points above the next closest teammate in points, which is probably either he or Palmieri. So... Mm-hmm. They, that that was kind of a one-off for him. I haven't seen him play like that ever. Never before, never since. So I do think that he's a complimentary piece, but an, an incredible one at that, but just not a guy who's going to be driving your team. You're number yeah. one. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like, as soon as he leaves, um, as soon as he leaves Edmonton, like, they have two centers that could really complement him. Like, he could play really well. Up. And I honestly, I was surprised. Like, I kind of... As the deadline, or not the deadline, the trade uh, or NHL free agency went on, I kind of was thinking the more and more time went by that he didn't sign, I was like, maybe he's looking to go back to Edmonton because, you know, that's a playoff team and maybe you take a one-year deal and you play with Dreisaitl or McDavid, you know, get those points up and then uh, go into free agency. But, yeah, it's very interesting trade. Or, sorry, interesting uh, signing for the Sabres. And I think kind of shifting into one of the next bigger signings that have already happened is uh, Tory Krug signing uh, a big deal with the St. Louis Blues of all teams, which I think is another shocker for me. You know, a six-year deal, $6.5 million a season. And uh, I just want your guys' opinion on the Blues in general. And I guess um, signing. you really just didn't want to re-sign in Boston because if I'm not mistaken, Boston offered him a six-year deal at 6.5 per so he literally just took an extra deal to go to St. Louis, who's arguably not really in that prime cup window anymore. It, it, it's, it just seems like a strange signing to me, especially with Justin Falk. Oh my God, that's a horrendous contract that they have to deal with. Marco Scandella is eating up a lot of money. I really only see that there's two solid pieces on the back end for them, or Pareko. I mean, other than Tori Krug, of course, uh, Pareko and Vince Dunn, who doesn't even have a contract right now. So I guess maybe he, he wanted to be a number one somewhere. It, it's yeah. just, it's a strange contract for me. But like, isn't he a number one in Boston? Like who, like if the only person that I could say that might be the number one over him, is McAvoy, but I think he's the number one on that team. I think like him and McAvoy were the top pairing last season. And like, I we don't know what's going on with Chara. He hasn't announced his retirement. I think yet, it's pretty imminent. Like he hasn't, he hasn't signed yet, so I kind of like you get, just gotta kind of have to wonder, right? It's one of those things. I don't, yeah, I just don't know why he went to St. Louis. I mean, they're not a bad team. Like they're obviously a good team. Like they're getting a healthy Tarasenko back. Shen, yeah, I was uh, just about to say that. It's huge for them. Yeah, David Perron, like Tyler Bozak. Ivan Barbashev is a good Bill younger Gunn. player. Uh, Rob, just kind of uh, interesting that he would go there. But I don't know. Like, do do you see him being? Because like I feel like St. Louis is kind of making the signing just to find someone to replace um, Petrangelo's minutes. 
Yeah, I don't think yeah, that he's I'm... not going to be successful oh, God, on the team. Sorry about that, Nate. I, I still think he's going to put up good numbers with St. Louis. But here's the thing. I, I, unless they play him with Pareko, I don't see him having a guy that's going to shelter him. Right? So, obviously, you can play him with Pareko, but then that kind of weakens out the rest of the blue line. Because Tory Krug, while he's a great defenseman, isn't the greatest in his own end. He's more of an offensive defenseman. So, he, he definitely needs a guy to anchor him on the back end. And while he can definitely put up 50, 55 points, pushing 60 with a great forward core in St. Louis, I just don't see how that defensive style of play really works for them. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I think in terms of matchup-wise, I think his best fit on the opposite side would definitely be Pareko. But as you said, that does leave them short short-handed on the back end. Um. But in saying that, I mean, I feel like he kind of needs that. As you said, he's not the best in his own end. And I mean, Pareko's just a big body, hard shot defenseman who just, he's a great, he's a great two-way defenseman. I mean, that's kind of what Krug needs. He kind of just needs a guy that he can rely on to kind of not necessarily sit back, but almost shadow him and make sure no off off chances become awry for a, spring, a sprung two-on-one or anything like that. I mean, I feel like... Pareko is really the anchor that he needs to find success, but whether or not he will find success, I think we'll have to wait till the actual season starts because I think on paper it is a good move, but it'll just really have to kind of play out with uh, where he ends up being at core of their defense and kind of how he gets used. I think it's also, I I think when I look at this team, it's split into two sides. Like I think Vince Dunn and Colin Pareko are like your stereotypical, like kind of uh, Petrangelo, like, big guys can use the body can shut it down in the defensive zone but i think i i think they also have on the other side of the the coin they have two guys that are smaller faster can put the puck in the net and justin folk and uh tory Krug now so i think maybe if you like match up those four players where you have maybe a vince dunn uh justin folk pairing as your like top as your fourth or your second pairing and then your top pairing is krug and uh pareko and then well, I mean, your bottom six doesn't really matter. Like, I think it will definitely be interesting because this team is – their window is closing. It's I think this is, like, one of their last years to get it done as a lot of their team is – they don't have contracts after next season to begin with. And, you know, the, uh, the expansion draft coming up, so they're going to lose another good player to that. I just – I just think, like, you know, that this is their last – kind of kick up the can so I guess why not sign Toy Krug to this deal and try to win another cup because I mean Krug and, and Falk are only 28 and 29 like their decor is decently young Preko's 27 Vince Dunn's 23 like so all the key members of this um, this decor maybe on the exception of Scandella who's 30 are like on the younger end of things so it'll be interesting to see where they go after <laughs> this upcoming season because I think if they don't win a cup, they're going to start seriously looking at uh, shipping out some of the older guys like, um, for example, Ryan O'Reilly or uh, Tyler Bozak or those kind of guys. Yeah, they're definitely not done making moves. They have just over a cap in, mm-hmm. in space. Sorry, sorry, they have, they have no cap space right now, but with LTIR, they could probably get about a million and they need a lot more than that if they want to sign Vince Dunn, even if it's to a bridge mm-hmm. contract. So I'm I'm interested in to see who they try to move on from, whether it's a couple depth pieces, a guy like Oscar Sundqvist, 
even though that that's a key piece that you want, like that's a guy that you want for a playoff run. They're they're not done making moves, so it, it'll be interesting to see where they go mm. from here. Um, just a segue from the uh, Tory Krug talk. I mean, in the last day or two, I mean, we had a handful of big name goalies resign in uh, in very unfamiliar places. I mean, if you guys had to pick one that stands out to you guys as kind of a big move or one that you could see really paying dividends for the team that signed him. Uh, who do you think that would be? Uh, for me personally, I think Markstrom is one of the more underrated goalies in the NHL right now. And while I don't like the term on his deal for Calgary, I think this is the first time that they've had a true number one goalie since Mika Kiprasov when he retired in 2005. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to pay up for those kind of goalies. And I think, you know, the cap's not terrible. It's, it's a six million dollars, correct? Or is yeah, it? Yeah, it, it's a flat. It's a flat six times six. Yeah, so like, yeah, you get a six and six. I don't mind six million dollars for Marchum. I just, I if I was to pick one goalie that really impacts the team, I think it's Marchum to Calgary, in my opinion. Yeah, I. I um, sorry, go ahead, Nate. Oh, um, I mean, I I agree with that, and Markstrom is a great signing, and I'm not going to dispute that, but. The only thing I'm going to say is, I mean, Robin Leonard re-signing with the Knights is huge. I mean, keeping keeping that core together and keeping what that team has going for them together, I mean, is big. And, I mean, you look at Leonard's numbers last year, and, I mean, he, he over the course of the whole season, for pretty much all major categories. And, I mean, I he, although he is a journeyman, although he is pretty – he's getting up there in age, I mean, he, he is nothing – he is nothing if not consistent over the last few years. And I mean, you can't, you can't discredit someone with a nine twenty nine twenty save percentage, 2.89% goals or goals against average with like, what do you have? You went 20, 20 and 10. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he had a great, he had a great year. He deserves that contract. And I think them keeping that Knights core together is huge. And I mean, having him at the tail end to kind of, kind of steer steer pucks away and be their kind of saving grace behind the post. I mean, I think that's huge for them going forward. Robin Lehner, when all of the rumors of the Leafs trading Freddie were sort of swirling, Robin Lehner was the number one guy on my list that I wanted so bad. And he's 29. I don't think age is exactly an issue with him, especially considering he seems to be more like a late bloomer. Because and also mm-hmm. the fact that he in early in his career he didn't play many games. Like I think for goalies, age isn't a big deal if you haven't played a lot of games. Yeah, like, his mileage example, isn't isn't incredible. Like, <laughs> yeah, Matt, no, he, he only had one. Older. He like, only sorry. had one. Sorry, yeah, I was just gonna say he only had one year in his first six where he clocked over thirty games. I mean, as you said, he's kind of his stamina's kind of been waiting for an opportunity like this. And and he's been a part of the one A one B type scenarios even during the time where he's been getting more starts. He, he really did anchor that team in Buffalo. He was getting 60, 50 starts. But then with the Islanders, he was splitting games with Thomas Grice and then became the starter in the playoffs. With Chicago, he was splitting games with Corey Crawford, even though he was the better goalie there. And then in Vegas, he was even platooning with Fleury for the short amount of time that they had left in the season. But I think it's, especially in the playoffs, he's really shown that this guy is an incredibly reliable starter. And I think if you look at the numbers he put up with Chicago – Chicago, a team with no blue line, he's shown that he can play really solid in net. It's not just the Islanders system that propelled them to get those big numbers. This guy's legit. He's 29. It was a five-year deal. It'll be 34. I think that that's prime numbers through him for all five years of the deal. 
This guy is an incredible goalie. He's so sound. I'm I'm a really big fan of Robin Lehner, if you can tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know he's he's a big he, he is a big pickup for that team. And I mean, I don't want to make it all about the money, but I mean, the fact that they got him locked down at five five years, five mil a year, twenty five total. I mean, that is a great for Robin Lehner. And just to touch on the Markstrom signing a little bit, I, I'm a very big fan of it as well. Curtis, you brought up the term being an issue. Totally agree with that, but. I mean, it's free agency, so that's all. Yeah, that's like, just I, gonna happen. I, I, like, I like I say that, and knowing that, like, you have to give up something to get something, and like the fact that like they haven't had a true number one, like you make that yeah. signing and he, so that you get that number one goal. And I think he's eventually you need to behind a a much more sound blue line in the Flames as well. Like, while obviously the Canucks have guys like Quinn Hughes, they aren't exactly great in their own end. And now he's playing in front of guys like uh, Rasmus Anderson, who's incredibly underrated. Mark Giordano, who seems to be timeless. And Noah Hannafin, who, while struggles a little bit, is still a really solid piece who can grow tremendously. So I, I like his placement in Calgary. But I think we're sort of – there's only one more goalie to talk about that was a really big free agent, and that's Brayden Holpe. What, do you, what did you guys think of that signing? I, I, I don't think – I think that signing, he's there just in case Demko fails, in my opinion. Mm. I think you give Demko the 1A, and then, you know, Holpe's kind of on the tail end. He had a really bad year on a good Washington team last year. And I don't think Vancouver's as good of a team as Washington is, especially defensively. And especially losing Canev, too. Like, that's a big one. Like, I don't know how defensive-minded that blue line is now mm-hmm. with Canada gone. So I think you give it to Demko, and then if Demko starts uh, failing, then you just give them that to uh, the veteran in Holpe, and I think that's the reason why they brought him in, just to be that 1B to Demko, because obviously they had they had, they could have signed um, sorry, they could have signed Markstrom back, but I think they felt that they wanted to put their chips in with Demko and that's why everything happened in free agency, why Markstrom left and why Hope is now Vancouver. And to touch on mileage a little bit, I, I, I love Brayden Holpe. I, he's definitely on the tail end of his career, but he's, he's so sound. When he's on, he's incredible. But he's had eight straight years of starting at least 35 games, seven straight of pushing 50 starts. And every single year, he was on the caps. Those were deep playoff runs every single year. This guy has a lot of mileage on him, and I understand why his numbers have been dipping. But I, I do think that he can almost, with rest and with a sheltered sort of safety net role behind Thatcher Demko, he can actually put up some solid numbers for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that Demko's your, your 1A, though. I think you ride with Demko until he falters, and then you go to Holpe. And so you can have Holpe, Holpe play, like, I don't know, like 30, 35 games next year and yeah. play amazing in all 35 games. I um I don't disagree with that at all. Um, the only thing I would say is, um, I mean, as you said, mileage is a big factor, especially with goaltending. And Washington is a preliminary playoff team, whether you, whether you like to think of it or not. I mean, pretty much they give Washington every year, pretty much guaranteeing a deep playoff run. But in saying that, I mean, him moving to Vancouver, I think the move will be to start Demko. But I don't think you put all your eggs into one basket too quick. I mean. In terms of consistency, I mean, although Holtby did have a did have a drop off, I mean, you look at the actual drop off he had, and it's nowhere near as significant as most goalies who end up like falling off and falling off the face of the league. 
I mean, this guy's nowhere near close to the to the end of his prime. I think he's got at least a few more years left. But as you said, Davo, I think it's going to come down to load management. I think you have to use him right. I don't think I think Holby's past the time of pushing 50, 60 starts in a year and putting up like 40 wins. I think if you if you can place him well behind Demko and use him as almost a safety blanket, as you said, Curtis, I think he could be used really well. I don't necessarily think you start you already named Demko the starter off rip. I think you should give it a, a little bit of time. I, I, if I were them, I would almost split time between the first 30 games of the season to see who really is the number one going in. But I do understand why they made the signing if if the purpose was to back up Demko. But I think also Holby does deserve a shotting. I definitely agree with you there, Nate. I think, well, obviously Demko was stellar in the playoffs. He's still young. And 24 for a goalie is incredibly young. He's, he's not exactly Carter Hart. And you don't, it's not a certainty that he'll be playing at that level and just be a guaranteed starter going into next season. So I do think, yeah, I agree with you, Nate. He should be splitting starts with Braden Holpe and just sort of seeing which guy will sort of take the lead. And if they really, if the league wants to push for an 82-game season, there'll be lots of back-to-backs and we'll possibly be seeing three games in three nights. So having, mm-hmm. and Holpe, yeah, he's dipped. But I mean, he went from a 925 to a 907, then a 911, 897 there's still room for a bounce back. Some, yeah, some Canucks think... fans were acting like Jim Benning was just off his rocker and he's back to signing Antoine Roussel and uh, Jay Beagle, the four or three and a half million dollars each. I don't think that this is the end of the world signing. I think it's a high risk, high reward type of deal. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, I think people, people are very quick to jump ship, especially in terms of consistent goaltending. I mean, you look at it, this is the first dip he's had below a 900 save percentage his entire career. People are already acting as if he's being pushed or ushered out of the league. It's like, this is the first significant dip he's had in really any statistical category over his career. And I mean, I feel well, like... I think I think to Dave, David's point, and sorry, I need to cut you off, uh, just... The point in general is I think like the league, if you look at a lot of teams are going younger and they're starting goaltending. Like for example, the Penguins trading Matt Murray because they're going to ride with Tristan Jari now for the rest of next season. And obviously we'll see if that goes because there's not a safety net in Pittsburgh right now, in my opinion, for if Tr- Jerry falters and like, what did we have? Like one good season with him. And I think you could say the same thing in Washington, like where Hope he used to play. Like um, I'm blanking his name. Uh, is this, it's Ilya Samsonov, the Russian guy, blanking him. Ilya Samsonov, Samsonov, like they gave him the keys to the Porsche, so he's gonna ride it, and then they just have Funquest there to be the backup. So I think a lot of teams are going with the younger goalies, and I just think you know that's that's just the way it goes, and I think Holpe's a one of the guys that isn't gonna benefit from him, obviously because he's an older guy, but. Yeah, I think the Canucks are going to look the same, do the same thing. Maybe it'll be a more of a split than for the Penguins and for the Capitals. But I think, yeah, I think they they go with Demko because he's their guy. I mean, with any with any league and with any group of signings, I mean, it really does kind of usher in the side of the times. I mean, with the league, the league as you can see is moving away from the last almost generation of goaltending that we grew up with, and you're starting to see all these young faces who are replacing things that we grew up with and the names that we know as household names. And I mean, it may not, you may not objectively see like it's the best decision, but going forward, I understand why a lot of the younger goalies are getting minutes. 
but especially looking at guys like Holtby and guys like Anton Anton Godobin and guys like Leonard, I mean, I feel like guys like that should kind of stay their course and get get what they deserve and their credit should be given where it's due. Yeah. I I think quickly before we uh we end off with the uh, with the free agency and the signing, I, I kinda quickly want to talk about Matt Murray because it's obviously one of the bigger trades that's happened this offseason in the last month or so. You know, Matt Murray being sent to the Ottawa Senators and me personally, I'm not hating this team right now. Like Matt Murray, twenty six years old, has had a bunch of good seasons, was on a down year last year. What do you guys think? of Matt Murray and then him also signing a four-year extension for $6.25 million. Hey, do you want to take this one first or? Oh, you could, you could go on. Um, oh man, I don't want to insult you too much here, but Matt Murray, what his emergence in the league sort of reminded me of a, of Cam Ward type situation. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Oh. Uh, except extending Ooh, okay. it to another year, obviously back-to-back cups, like that's incredible. But he just he hasn't been that goalie since, right? He, he's had a nine nineteen year after that. I, I think I think he can still bounce back. He's young. He's he's still what is he? Twenty six. Yeah, th- that's that's still room for improvement for a goalie. I just. I'm not sure about giving him that kind of extension yet after, before seeing what he is for your team. Well, he had, he, they had to sign him or else. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm fine with the cap hit. It's more of the term for me. I, I, I think of giving a guy a four year deal like that. You're like, okay, you're our starting goalie. We're going to try and be competitive in years three and four of that deal. It's just, it, it, it just seems like jumping on to things just a little bit too quickly for me because Matt Murray, he, he was the best goalie in the league okay. for two years. He was amazing. To, to def- and then he fell off to hard. To defend Matt Murray, in, in the, the three seasons that he played uh, 50 games, he didn't post a lower than a 907 save percentage. And last year he played 38 games, obviously for short season. And he had an 899, so obviously not great. But I think when you look at his track record, I think – you know, he had three really good seasons out of four. So, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's the best goalie in the NHL by any means. Like, I, I, maybe he's not even top ten. But I think, you know, that Ottawa just needs, like, I don't know, like, a, a They definitely got a significant improvement with Matt Murray. I'm not questioning that by any sense. I, I was questioning the contract mm-hmm. more, more likely. Just, like, obviously, you go from Holberg and Nielsen – or to Matt Murray, that's an incredible improvement. I just don't know if, if this is like the I time mean, I, to sign him because I, I keep seeing these tweets that are like, man, these senators are really going to be pushing for a playoff spot this year. I'm like, eh, they have, they have a great prospect yeah. pool, but none of those guys are in the NHL yet except for Brady Kachuk and Thomas Shabbat, right? I, so, I, And Eric Branch. Yeah, but he, he had a they, rough, rough season last year. Not, not to his own fault yeah. because Ottawa's terrible. But he, he can have to go. Yeah, but... I mean, oh man, I don't. Want, I I feel like people are kind of jumping the gun with Ottawa, especially with like considering playoff runs. But in saying that, I mean, they did have a few like pretty good like role player pickups. I mean, they got Austin Watson from the Predators for just a fourth round pick, and then they also picked up I think it was Erica Branson from the Ducks for another pick. 
I mean, yeah, those are those are two pretty good. I mean, depth signings. I mean, Austin Watson is still pretty young. He has a lot to prove. But in terms of Gabranson, he's just he's kind of just a, a gel guy on the back end. I mean, kind of just a guy who will play his role. He doesn't really do anything flashy. He doesn't really make many mistakes. I mean, I feel like he's he's the type of guy that you want standing in front of Matt Murray, taking a lot of block shots, playing I, his role. I I kind of like uh, Ottawa's forward core. I think you know. I think Colin White kind of underperformed this season, but I think he can definitely have a bounce back year. And then I look at other guys like uh, Logan Brown and Drake Bafferson, who are guys that probably step up this year and play big roles on the centers, as well as um, uh, Alex Formanton, sorry, of, who was playing the AHL last year and really like lit it up for the uh, Bing- Bennington oh, centers. Sh- is it still Belleville or, or is it, it Bimming- Bennington? Bennington? Oh, it, it is Belleville now. It was Bell or Bennington or whatever it was. It's Belleville now. He got 55 points in 61 games in the AHL, 27 goals. You know, I don't know. Not to spend too much time on the Senators because I don't think even if they make the playoffs, they're going to last longer than like a first round. I, yeah, I just think that they'll be a good team. And I think the Atlantic Division is a very, uh, it's very top heavy division this year. Yeah. And speaking of other Atlantic divisions, uh, teams. The Maple Leafs made a couple big signings on day one oh, of the yeah. agency, and I'm I'm sitting with two Leaf fans, so I think this is my time to kind of step back and let you guys talk about it. But just talk about you know the Wayne Simmons signing and uh, TJ Brody a little bit. What uh, do you guys think? When it comes to this fan base, I'm learning more and more that people really just kind of want to hate on everything Kyle Dubas does. Hey, yep. we beg for a tough guy. We beg and plead. I don't know who expected us to get that out of the draft and just sort of throw an 18-year-old and be like, hey, fight Kyle Clifford and get murdered. We get Wayne Simmons, one of the most feared players in the league, one year, 1.5. Huge. And people are complaining about that. <laughs> what is there to complain about? It's an incredible contract. He left money on the table to come here. I love that deal. He's not great at hockey anymore he's not going to score a bunch for us but but wow. you know what wow Dude, look, look, look. <laughs> no, 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 no. it's it's not not because, like he was amazing he was a 30 goal scorer but he's had lots of injuries lots of mileage on him especially the type of hockey he plays but he'll he'll throw the body around i think, I, I think still... he can definitely rekindle an offensive spark on the on a team like the leafs he's gonna throw the body around and he's gonna throw hands i'm incredibly excited for Wayne Simmons. The Leafs, the Leafs, and I don't know how they managed to do it, and two signings have done more for what we actually need than we've done in, like, the last three years. I mean, we've been asking for an actual tough guy or a bigger guy who can actually play the body, and we've gotten guys who we think we can, like the pylon Freddie Gauthier, but he just can't. And then we finally bring in a guy who does, as you said, like Wayne Simmons, and it's met with backlash and met with criticism. Like, what more do you want him to do? And we sign a top four defense, like a top four for us defenseman. No, no, TJ Brody is a, is a top four, top three defenseman on pretty much any team. He's amazing. Yeah, for sure. And he's, he's definitely going to – I would think he's going to probably be taking top line minutes, if not high second line minutes for us. But, I mean, those are two great signings. I mean, we've been asking for defensive depth. We got it with Brody. We've been asking for size and strength. We get it with Simmons. I mean, yeah. I hope I hope that there are a few more deals much like these. But I mean, just from just from early signs of what Dubas has been doing, I like where he's taking this right now. Yeah, and touching on the TJ Brody contract, the guy got like a five hundred thousand dollar raise. That's yeah, it, going into free agency. That's unheard of. I'm fine. The term, obviously, whatever. It's free agency. You deal with it. 
The guy does not turn over the puck in his own end. I think he, he had like a top 10 in, in fewest puck, uh, puck turnover rate in, in the D zone. He completes a lot of stretch passes, which us Leaf fans know. We do that a lot, and not a lot of them get completed. So, And he oh. generates a lot of offense, as well as being very solid in his own end. This is a guy who I can see working with Muzzin or Riley pretty well. I'm excited to see TJ Brody. We, I think we finally have a reliable guy on the back end. Agreed. I couldn't agree more. I, I think just for me to kind of step in a little bit here, because obviously this isn't my team and this isn't like my knowledge, but like just obviously living in Ontario, all I hear about is Leaf. <clears throat> voice crack, uh, Leafs. But um, my, my main thing is like, I'm thinking of the TJ Brody signing is, yeah, he's a great defenseman, but I don't think it's, he's what the Leafs need in the back end. Like, I know it's hard to get these defensemen, but, like, you need you needed someone like a Petrangelo or, like, another Jake Muzzin or, like, a Martinez or someone. And I think, you know, while TJ Brody is a great defenseman, don't get me wrong, I think he, you just need someone that can stand in front of the net and get people out of the way so Anderson can see the puck. And I don't think that they did that with TJ Brody. Like, don't get me wrong, he can put the puck in the net. He's a faster guy. He'll probably play with Morgan Riley, so he actually has a good D partner for the first time in his career. But I don't know. I just don't like, it just doesn't do that much for me in terms of what the actual problem with this team is. And that's, the, the thing about know. Brody is he's not incredibly physical. He's not going to be throwing a bunch of hits, but he, he is good in his own end. He's very solid defensively. He has great positioning. He's a very good defensive skater. He backs guys up a lot. He gets guys into the corners. Uh, and he, he um, sorry, he capitalizes on any space. He, he, he's really good gap control. I, I like a guy like TJ Brody in our own end. I don't think we, we, we want a guy to move guys out of the way in front of the net. We got Zach Bogosian for that. And he's not great at hockey either. <laughs> he's, yeah, wait, no, Zach Bogosian is not is good Zach, at hockey, Zach, but he'll wait, be wait, throwing wait, some wait, hits. Wait. Is Zach Bogosian oh, in God. your top? I think six? he's like a seven. I, I would assume he's sitting at six or seven. Yeah, I I guess, because we probably. I will have, take. Uh, I'll take Zach Bogosian because... at seven over Martin Marincin at seven, any day yes, of yes, the week. Yes, yes, agreed. I'm just a. I think the other big question is: Is Sandine yes. making the Sandine team? should be on the roster this mm. year. There's no reason he shouldn't be. I don't know. Then, then I, I actually have um, issues sorry, with Rasmus Sandine. Uh, Dave, you're talking about it, but him. And it might seem weird. He 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 can be he'll he uh, will be incredible. I think Rasmus Sandin has all the tools, but he doesn't. There time. were times in the season where he just gets thrown around like a rag doll. He's just not. Well, yeah, but that that also comes with experience, though. I mean, he kind of just does need time to find his find his rhythm and find his groove in the league. I mean, instant success is nothing is nothing out of the ordinary for most players. But I mean, like I feel like you can't really bury a guy for not really being able to. Hold up to the oh, physicality. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to bury him. Really. I'm just saying I don't. I don't think he's an immediate slot nor a top six. That's fair. Because I, I look. Yeah, I look. I, we we have a very strong left I, side with yeah. Riley Muzzin, and then you can have Lettinen or Sandine or Travis Dermott. Even though they say he plays the right side, but he he never played the right side ever. And then on the right side you got yeah. Brody, Justin Hole, and then rotate Lilligren, Bogosian. Many people. I, I hope Lilligren can step up this year because yeah, Lilligren. I give him the benefit of the doubt because he had Bono during his draft year. He was supposed yeah. to be a top five pick, and we fell the tough bounce. Fell the seventeen to us. We still have guys who 
are on the verge of breaking into the league, but I don't think are exactly NHL regulars yet. And with TJ Brody, yeah. you get an NHL regular. You get a guy who's very solid in his own end. And you, you can get, move the puck. To be honest. That's, that's all I need. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and, like, at the end of the day, like, as much as Brody, like, as you said, Curtis, as much as he isn't filling an immediate need that Luis may need, he's not going to hurt us. And, I mean, you look at half of our decor that we've expelled over the last, like, three, four years. I mean, we've expelled a lot so, of like, guys who okay, are individually sorry, just... responsible for a lot of neutral zone as same end turnovers. And I mean, that's kind of the thing that shoots your own team in the foot. And I mean, I appreciate a signing like Brody because he, he just provides stability. Like, you know, when he's back there, no, well, minimal mistakes are going to be made because you can't say no mistakes, but he's a guy who game in and game out is not going to be turning the puck over consistently. And he's going to take care of the puck. He's going to move it where it has to be. And he's going to play no mistake. Hockey. And, and, and that's what Curtis, while, while that may sound like, okay, well, that should be any, any NHL defenseman. We haven't had that for so long. No. Oh, man. Oh, trust so, me. I know. I Trust yeah. me. I know. I, I think, okay, this is what I'll say. Maybe I just, you know, I have early bedtime. I don't always stay up for the late games. I don't always watch Calgary. But when I saw TJ Brody getting signed, I in my mind, I just like, oh. oh he is nothing even remotely close. No, yeah, I was gonna say he's nothing like Tyson. Berry. I, I love, I love I, Tyson Berry. I, I feel. I like... was so happy we got him, but he needs a guy like Eric Johnson to shelter yes. him and just be okay. I'm not gonna cross my own blue line. You do your thing with McKinnon and everybody else. I will stay back here. We did not have that for Tyson Berry. He should have worked with Muzzin, but he didn't. And then when we when we got Sheldon Keefe, he was actually better offensively. He finally started scoring again, but he. Him and Brody are not the same, not even remotely close. Tyson Berry is an offensive defenseman. I'd say TJ Brody is a two-way defender. Agreed. And I, I do think I do think Barry will be successful in Edmonton. All right. So before we uh, move on, I just wanted to give anyone the opportunity to talk about anyone that we haven't talked about yet in free agency. If you just want to give a quick thoughts on a signing that you saw that you played. Hmm. Um. I mean, the only the only one that jumps out at me I, really to the top of my head, and, and I mean, I hate to harp on it because I assume every media outlet's talking about it, but the fact that not only Petrangelo hasn't been signed, but I'm really surprised that Tyler Toffoli hasn't signed yet. I mean, he's a guy who really is a playoff a playoff proven scorer and a guy who can really provide you 35 to 50 points midline any on really any roster in the NHL. And I mean, yeah, he is kind of out. Sorry, Derek Mike Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, Toffoli, I feel like, can provide an immediate bolster to the middle of your roster, and I'm really surprised that no one's really bit the bullet to kind of sign him yet. And I feel like he wouldn't be asking too much either, like between three and four, three and five probably. Yeah, that's a guy that can get you 20, 25 goals. Well, maybe his numbers aren't exactly the nicest. They're not as good as they were. But he's also playing on the Kings who don't score. Yeah. And then he gets on a team like the Canucks, who all they do is score, and he gets six goals in 10 games. I think he's he's a solid top six winger, can bang in 20 to 25 goals. I don't see how teams aren't really taking a chance on that, even like a three-year deal at four to five per. That's yeah. For a guy like Defoley, I'll take that. That's a value pickup. Yeah. It's same thing with Hoffman. They, they kind of remind me of the same player, except Hoffman has had better teammates. And then even a guy like Evgeny Dadunov. I'm surprised he hasn't been signed yet. 
And Sammy, Sammy Vatnin too. Sorry, yeah, sorry I think... to keep going off on a tangent. I'm also really surprised Sammy Vatnin hasn't been signed yet. I'm a huge fan of Vatnin. I'm surprised he hasn't gone anywhere yet. I I think like when I look at like teams that got the best deals in free agency, and I might hear it from a couple people on this podcast, but I think besides Wayne Simmons, I think you got to look at Kyle Turris signing like a $1 million, just over $1 million deal to be the third line centers that the uh, Edmonton Oilers need. I think, you know, obviously he's not what he was when he was in Ottawa, but I think he's still a really good player and an NHL player. So I think when you look at that kind of deal and then the fact that, you know, Edmonton needs depth, they need another center that, or, or even if he plays on the wing, yeah. like, I think that's a good sign. Speaking for, of, uh, Edmonton. Of guys who had just... their careers sort of ruined in Nashville, Mikhail Granlund. He hasn't been signed. He he was a, he was a sixty-five point guy in Minnesota. He was a very very solid center winger type. I don't know how he hasn't been signed it either. I guess it's really because this league's gonna be having a flat cap over the next couple of years. It's tough to squeeze everybody in, but these are talented players that are still in the market, and I'm shocked that yeah. some haven't been scooped up yet. Yeah, I mean, give it give it a few days, and I I okay. would assume that most of these guys will be scooped up. But honestly, if I'm if I'm any team right now, and I'm looking at a guy who can immediately come in and make an impact, I mean, I just I don't know how you look past, as I said, a guy like Toffoli or Hoffman to bolster your top six wingers. I just don't I just don't get how a move for them hasn't been made yet. Okay, quickly before we uh, end this, because we're kind of running long on time. I just want your quick predictions as to where um, the big fish, Alex Petrangelo, is going to go. Just, oh, the, the writing seems where, to where be on the wall go? with Vegas. Right? They're, they're trying to move Nate Schmidt. They flew him out to Vegas. Uh, the, the other teams that were rumored to be talking to him, like the Leafs, the Kaduba said he wasn't even close. Um, what, were the, what were the other teams? St. Louis, obviously they're not going to sign him. Because no. Tory Krug. I, I think it's... It's just a matter of time before we see Petrangelo finds in Vegas. I I I don't even think it I don't even think it's Nate Schmidt. I think it's they're trying to get rid of Flurry right now. That seven million dollars that I don't know if they're gonna be able to get rid of. And I think he's just waiting for like them to kind of <laughs> shuffle the chairs around, and it'll be interesting. But I agree. I think he's going to Vegas. I think everyone knows that. It's yeah. just a matter of when it's official. Which, I mean, good for them. Uh, you get you get Laner, Petrangelo. That's Nate, do you... pretty solid upgrade. Um, yeah, Mark Stone is Stone underrated. Oh, he's not underrated anymore, but he was so underrated for so long. He's such a talented player. Yeah, he, was, he, he flew under the radar for a long time. Uh, no, he, he's still underrated because he didn't win the uh... – the Masterton. Oh, like, yeah. He didn't win best defensive player. Who, who won the self key this year? This seems like forever. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think either sure Bergeron. Bergeron won no, if wrong. I'm not mistaken. I know he was nominated. Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier. Okay, Couturier deserved you it. You guys talked. I, I forgot about that. He that meant he was due for a selkie. Couturier is a very very solid two way center. Um. So in terms of likely suitors for Petrangelo. Um, I've kind of been doing a little bit of research on this lately. Um, but depending on what they want to do with UC Saros following these Rene, Rene and Saros's uh, contracts are up uh, at the end of the 2021, 2022 season. Um, 
But depending on what they wanted to do with that and how much money they were willing to put towards that, I could actually see Petrangelo going to the Preds because they have room. They have 15 mil. Yeah, but they don't need a defense. They may not need yeah. it, but that's a huge bolster. Good. I also think that team's like not going like I. Yeah. I feel like he's I mean, look what happened the to Duchesne. You have and you've. I've, can they really allocate that kind of money to Petrangelo? They have two centers who are making eight mil who are scoring like sixty points in Duchesne and Johansson. You have they have solid pieces, obviously. Like Roman Yossi is incredible. Matisse Ekholm is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. Um, Victor Ar- Arvidsson is fantastic, but oh, Ryan Ellis is yes, he's he's amazing. But like they have defensemen, and I, I just think I think their, their issue is scoring goals. Yeah, and I don't know if Petrangelo is exactly going to be. No, I don't, I don't know not, if you can allocate that kind of money to yeah, to I'm, bolster what's to already continue a to bolster yeah. in the back end. Yeah, Sorry. I've been saying that they should they. Nashville oh, should be calling yes. Mike Hoffman. Nashville like, should be no, calling Mike like Hoffman and Tyler They should be calling any winger that can score. Please come fix our team. And be like, hey, please come to Nashville. I mean, they've, please yeah, they have 14 come, mil. Please come play with Ryan. They still need to sign Luke Coonan, but that won't be expensive. Just, just think this. Ryan Johansson is making $8 million mm-hmm. for another five years. That's rough. That's that's yeah, Duchesne. I mean, even even I was gonna say, eight until yeah, 25 till 25 26 season. I I think Colton Sissons for some reason, the next just under six years. Oh my god, like they they, they have solid deals with guys like Forsberg. I don't know why Victor Arvidsson is a steal of a contract, and and especially like at home, Ellis, those are all great contracts, but you have. Yossi making nine mil. Johansson making eight of Just looking at Yossi's deal is brutal. It's gonna be bad. Like it's good, given given great now. to 2022, 2023. Yeah. That deal is gonna, gonna look start terrible. looking like a like a bit of a Brent Burns type deal where it's like, all right, yeah. He's making nine mil and he's forty. <laughs> and he's and he's put and he's putting up twenty nine points with a negative nine yeah, and they, and plus have- minus. Oh man! And they have to sign Dante Fabro next year, which is one of their better young defensemen. So that'll be interesting. But yeah, I think it's. Is there anyone else you guys wanted to quickly? Oh, mention just a quick question for you guys. Podcast? San Jose Sharks. Do they have a great goalie tandem or a terrible goaltending tandem with Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik? Wait. I, on on paper, uh, it looks they have great. Dubnik Wait, is much, going Dubnik... up at two point one against the cap for them. How did two point two? That's not bad at all for Dubnik. That's not bad at all. I think uh, this is what I'll say. I think oh yeah, years ago that would have been one of the best. Man, like, what happened to Martin Jones this year? I think. Yeah, I have no idea. I I I honestly, I honestly don't have faith in either of those goalies going into next year. I mean. Like Devin Dubnik, if, okay. If any of them were to like reemerge as a really good goalie, I'd put it on Devin Dubnik because <clears throat> he's he like to be honest, he only had one bad year, which was this year, and then he was just on a shitty team for the last couple of years. So there's nothing he could really do about it. Um, but I mean, it's I not think like we had the worst cap situation in the league. Great team, anyways. Yeah, like I don't think they're making the playoffs. 
again. Like, I, I'd be surprised if they do. I mean, they need to get rid of Evander Kane, I think. Like, he's, like, he's a good player, and then you but have he's making way too much money. Burns, Vlasic, and Carlson signed forever and ever and ever. <laughs> forever, forever, ever. Forever, ever. ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, seriously, they... They they only have four defenses like signed right now that aren't on their like minor league contracts like on their entry level deals. Mm-hmm. So that's also concerning. <laughs> and ha- half of their forward core is on their entry level deals too. So that just shows you how much money they're spending on certain players. But oh, it's, it's <laughs> Eric Carlson. It's I, just, I just feel like teams, <clears throat> teams in like in the last few years have had a really bad habit of allocating money and a lot of money to players who haven't earned that money. And it comes, it comes up later and it just, no, 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 no. I'm okay, not, Carlson hey, 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 I'm, I'm not a, slandering a race, Carlson. If there's anyone like... in the world that I should, that no one could really slander, it would be Eric Carlson. All I'm saying is I feel like a lot of teams put themselves in this position where they feel like it's a great deal to allocate this amount of money to this extremely talented player who's had two great seasons and then they sign him to seven, eight million. Then next year they have a drop off. Then it's like, damn, you have to pay him $7 million for the next four years. And they're putting up 20 points. Yeah. It just seems like all these long-term deals getting signed at a high penny value are sort of blowing up at team spaces. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a sort of more MBA like approach where, you see a lot of one and done, two and not, done. Not even that, because I think that's a little bit too creative and extreme for the NHL. But like four year deals, five year deals, three year deals. Oh, yeah. Because rather than this, yeah, instead seven, of going, it's kind of stretching to the six, seven, think, eight yeah. year deals. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like the only, the only one like that jumps out to me that you really can't, like the one, the, the only one I don't see blowing up their faces um, is Connor McDavid. Yeah. Signing I mean, eight years. Mm hmm. Or like Austin Matthews. You, yeah. Yeah. Like if we're wait for for, for the for, for the Oilers, it's not because anything less than league max for Connor McDavid is a steal of a contract in the first place, and having him at the max, it's it's McDavid, right? And that's a tradable piece. If let's say they they're somehow at the bottom of the league again, I think I. I, I think yes. McDavid oh, no, I totally. I mean, I'm saying from a team perspective, I think McDavid should have signed like a five-year deal. Yeah, it's just. I mean, when you're presented yeah, with with that kind of a deal with that kind of money on the table, I mean, I understand there's a lot of negotiation goes into it with with him being the top player in the league and everything. But I feel like there's a lot of cloudiness when it comes to signing contracts. Like, although players are considering long term. I feel like when they look at the initial value that's sitting in front of them in the contract they're signing, I feel like that can kind of trump a lot of issues that the team that they're signing to could have. And I feel like that's, it's just the business dynamic of sports. I mean, it's just money, money moves the world and money does impact the way that people act and the way that people sign deals in the leagues. And I mean, I get it. If you're being presented with that kind of money, it's pretty hard to say no. And that even if it is that kind of a tenure. I agree. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week on uh, the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to give the opportunity, as we always do, to let people shout out their work and uh, or shout out whatever they want to shout out. So we'll start with our esteemed guest, Dave. Um, well, where I work, so where we're closing up in, in about three weeks. So I will actually not be swarmed 
with uh, an incredibly busy schedule. So look forward to articles coming from me for the first time ever. I'm very excited for that. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Always fantastic getting to talk hockey with you. Always happy to have you on, Davo. Um, what is it? We're looking forward to you dropping some articles too. I mean, we're getting a lot of uh, site activity in the next uh, few weeks with a lot of big signings and big sports news going on, especially with the finals concluding uh, yesterday. And uh, I mean, to segue from that, I mean, I should have my uh, my NBA finals uh, review article out by hopefully two or three o'clock today. And then also later by later tonight or even before that, hopefully my Dak Prescott injury article would be done too. So I may be able to go back to back in one day, which would be pretty dope. Um, also, just go go show love on the podcast, show love on the uh, on the OTL Instagram, um, and honestly, just go go show love to everyone who's a part of OTL. I mean, if you if you have time, go give some reads to some articles that you may not initially be interested in on the site. You may never know; you may find something you may uh, pick up. Oh, I mean, no hey, we yeah, we're not we're not as avid posting on the IG as we want to be. I mean, we're not we're not the most photogenic bunch here. I mean, I know I take terrible photos. I don't know about you, good-looking gentlemen. Hey, actually, you know what? You know what? <laughs> I, I didn't want to put the cart before the, her- the horse, like but Curtis, you look pretty naturally good in photos. Like you, you kind of snap. <laughs> I, I, I think I think the last couple. Well, I mean, we. For once, you actually yeah. posted a photo. Finally, like, it's about damn time. Ago. Yeah, so, man, we've so come like, a long I'm way. Kinda, I'm, I'm kind of proud of you. Like, yeah. Um, but anyways, our, <laughs> wait, uh, wait, and I you, mean, uh, besides I that, I just want to thank yeah. Dable for coming on. I mean, it was pretty last minute, but really happy to uh, be able to talk hockey with you for about an hour. And I mean, it's pretty refreshing to actually be uh, be able to talk free agency and some trade rumors. Yeah, of course, man. It's always. An incredible opportunity getting to talk hockey with you guys. Really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, it's it's weird. It's unprecedented times. I don't know if you've heard that phrase at all over the past eight. It is, it, it is very it feels like eight thousand years. But yeah. uh, no, always always happy to talk hockey with you. Really appreciate you having me on. The Burlington native uh, Nico Dawes got selected in the third round of the NHL draft to the New Jersey Devils. Um, played for the uh, Guelph Storm. Played also for Team Canada. I mean, put up very impressive numbers over not only his Guelph tenure, but also his international tenure. I mean, this guy deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, he grinded his way, grinded his way through four seasons. Uh, also backed up for the majority of his Guelph Storm tenure. Got his shot at the World Juniors on the world stage. Yeah, OHL champion. I mean, this guy's resume OHL is already champion. off the charts. And I mean, the fact that he got selected and not only not only selected, but in the third round. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, seems like we're getting all this great great talent coming out of Burlington recently. And I mean, uh, I mean, just as, just as a Burlington native and I mean, as a distant friend of this guy, I mean, just proud of him, just happy to see him get to the top. I mean, it's pretty awesome. So before I like, I'm just going to quickly do this. So my first shout out is make sure to go follow Kennedy with a three in the first E Um, he's posted two two new Instagram (laughs) posts in the last month. So like, let's keep him motivated. Get, get, big moves out here like he's getting Always. pro photographers to go take these photos like i don't, I don't want to like yeah like you should go check out his instagram and then quickly i spent i basically gave up my whole uh friday writing the live blog for the signing season of day one of the of uh, free agency so if you're curious about just getting quick knowledge on any of the signings 
that have happened. Make sure you go check that out on obviously overlinesports.ca. Um, yeah, just make sure to check out the Instagram. Uh, I mean, we've kind of been off for two months. I mean, obviously we all got crazy busy because of school and stuff, but hopefully the podcast will be going strong and every week for the foreseeable future. Obviously, like we'll take breaks over Christmas and that kind of stuff because you know, I um, get that. Family uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, for family those for those who time. can pull women like Curtis, <laughs> they're just swarming around him. Yeah, yeah I okay. mean, this guy needs this guy needs women um, repellent. They're just I, I, I need to I need to yell uh, from no say, and nobody uh, wa- no chicks want to social distance when Curtis is around. They're trying to get right up now. close and personal. <laughs> <laughs> as as Iggy Azalea once <laughs> said, phone, let me get a taste. Phone. Um, oh my god <laughs> cut, cut that out cut that out edits. <laughs> cap, cap. Cap. Cap, cap, cap. i don't know if i yeah I you can that well it's not going anywhere in the conversation uh, fucking but... fucking better that's not oh. going anywhere Jeez. all i'm saying oh. is the carter hart shit better get edited out. all i'm saying is the oh. fact that you can quote iggy azalea really worries me Nah, nah, it's not even like that. She had a song with Tiger. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was off. gonna say. <laughs> mm. I'm sure. It's I'm actually, sure. It's a banger, though. I can't lie. I, 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 next, next thing, Dave. Next week, hey, hey, don't talk, don't talk shit about fancy. That's podcast. a song of our generation. He's gonna... One of them. Nope. Thri- that in thrift. That in thrift. That's cow. Oh God. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> and right. and. Ter- all right, we need, we need to cut this off. Well, okay. I'm going to talk about how well-versed okay, Nate is in the white rap game. Yeah, sorry. Okay. All right, all right. I have a good... I have a diverse <laughs> music taste. Oh, man. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> on that terrible note, that's going to do it for this week. Of course. I want to thank uh, David slash Davo for joining us again. and just want to remind you all, or, uh, to go like and subscribe to this podcast you can find us on spotify and apple podcasts and make sure to check us out on social media at otl sports ca you can find that on twitter and instagram uh, the youtube channel will be coming up this week and hopefully you'll be able to see these podcasts live you'll be able to see our beautiful faces on the youtube channel so make sure you go subscribe that will be overline sports canada so in the next week just go on your youtube subscribe Hover around the uh, the subscribe button with your mouse and smash it. it. Click that subscribe. Smash button. it. Uh, we'll be posting videos, clips. Oh, all right. Now and now smash you're giving people concussions. Just absolutely. Same CTE. <laughs> I already have three, so it's okay. Oh, I, I just subscribed to you guys too many times. <laughs> too many pucks to the head. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, make sure to go check out. Uh, all the articles on oralinesports.ca. Like I said, you know, we've been off for two months and we've had a lot of articles come out. Um, so make sure to check that out. Make sure to check out Nate's article because as you're listening to this, the article's up right now. Yes, so sir. make sure you go give that a read. Make sure to give my boy some love. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us today. And, uh, great pod, boys. Have a great day, everyone. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>